We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Monday morning. It's November 20th. The Wolves five-game road trip ended in New Orleans on Saturday night with the Wolves beating the Pelicans by one. Overall, it was a four-and-one road trip. Brings the Wolves to nine and three on the season. And they are, at least for the moment, in first place in the Western Conference standings. Next up, three-game homestand over Thanksgiving week. Knicks on Monday, Sixers on Wednesday, Kings on Friday. A reminder, because it's Thanksgiving and because I will be out of town, uh, that we will have no shows on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. Just Britt Robson on Tuesday morning after the Knicks game and Chris Hine right now. And it's Chris Hine's birthday. Everybody hit up Chris at Christopher Hine on Twitter and wish him a happy, I guess, belated birthday. Belated it was your birthday, birthday yeah. yesterday. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing, Dane? I'm I'm good. It's it's funny like over the weekend or I think when there's a weekend game that I'm not at and mm-hmm. and it's on the road I kind of just go through my weekend as is and then kind of pop in to watch the game just on Saturday night like that's what I did with the Pelicans and then other than that I'm getting ready for the holidays and all this and that so I feel like I am turning my wolves brain on back early. on yeah. yeah yeah it's been off for like 72 hours yeah. so if you can yeah. If you can kind of help me, uh, help me through this. I mean, I was there with you in San Francisco and obviously kind of got the the vibe of what the team was. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked last week, kind of started noticing um, a different frame of behavior or just kind of confidence in, in Carl, I think right away in Golden State, which I think us noting that was pretty prescient. Carl's played really well. Um, from there going forward, I always think on the road, it's it's sort of telling to be able to be around the team in the locker room. I'm curious because I wasn't there in Phoenix. Were they all as dead and tired as they looked like they were on TV? <laughs> and then also with the New yeah. Orleans game, what was kind of the vibe in the locker room after, I guess, after both of those games? Um, Wednesday, yeah, they were, it was a, Rough day, I think, for for all involved, uh, beat writers included. Um, <laughs> ha- that happens when you when you change time zones and yeah and all that. You know, 
first back-to-back of the season, getting used to playing like that, emotional win on Tuesday. It just had – it really had all the makings of this is going to be a schedule loss, and it was. Um, but to your point, I think the one little bright spot that was in that game was Carl continued to play well yeah. offensively. Like, he still had a really good game on that end of the floor. Um, the, the defense was lagging, obviously. Ant struggled as well. Um you know, and yeah, it was just kind of like it's kind of like this on to the next what's one. going to happen. Yeah. And, and you saw like Phoenix was doing things that they don't normally do. Josh Okogie was hitting three right. threes to open the game, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so the the vibe, quote unquote, if we're doing a vibes check here, is was like, eh, this was kind of to be expected. Let's move on. You know, two days before New Orleans and try to bounce back on Saturday. That was very much the the tone, I think. So yeah. so then I kind of, like, I, I think that's what everyone was was kind of expecting. But I then go into Saturday, like, interested in how much more that fatigue or drag or whatever would carry over into the New Orleans game. And that was, that was kind of like up in the air. And they really, I'm, I'm not saying that was a, a perfect game uh, by any means, but they did look, again, like, professional we'll talk about it like the fourth quarter kind of yeah getting getting through it there but did that stick out to you on saturday that they like seemed again like about their business and took care uh of the pelicans there again it was the fifth game on a more than week long week long road trip what was what was that like in the locker room yeah i will say i will say before the game there still was there was one player who told me he's like my legs are still tired like from you know, huh. kind of this this whole road trip. So when I when I heard that, it was like I was like, oh well, maybe the defense won't be a hundred percent back here tonight. And it wasn't. Um, and it wasn't. And it yeah. wasn't because because I think about how hard they have to play defense sure. and, and kind of the physical effort that that requires um, mm-hmm. to play the way that they play, which is kind of aggressive. Yeah. Um, so. I feel like it'll be interesting to kind of track how the defense responds to just the wear and tear of the schedule. This is just me thinking bigger. Yeah, bigger no, I hadn't really thought about that. Um, and so when I when I heard that player tell me that, I was like, "Well, I said, that's interesting." I said, "Even with, I said even with two days off, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's just been a long trip, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like that that sort of vibe." Um, but after the game, um, if there was like a, I forget what like Jake's graphs vibe meter. Was that he that he would always post whatever it was all the way to the good side was what it was after that game on on Saturday like you couldn't have had a, I I don't think we've had a a happier locker room than than after that game on Saturday it was it was loud everybody was was talking everybody was happy Rudy was you know making fun of Carl Ant was just kind of holding court over in the corner yeah. uh, where he was sitting like it was just it was. They they really enjoyed that win for sure. Okay, so I mean, how much about of that was about like enjoying Cat, right? I mean, yeah, Kat, I, that was obviously Cat's best game mm-hmm. of of the season. Kind of capped off what was overall a pretty awesome five game road trip. I just pulled those numbers uh, right before this on the five game road trips so of San Antonio through New Orleans: twenty seven point four points per game, ten boards, three point six assists two turnovers and 2.2 fouls per game. He shot 64% from two, 
43% from three. I mean, these are the back to cat, just counting stat numbers. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that uh, he had a team best plus minus by a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they actually got outscored on the forward one on the road trip, but they got outscored on it. They were overall a minus one. They won the four games. Right, a total right. of 17, <laughs> and then they lost to Phoenix by one. So actually being plus 15 uh, for Carl is a, was, was pretty big. Like Rudy was minus 24 on the mm-hmm. trip. And it's not like Rudy played like terrible, but to me, right, that illustrates, especially over five games, Carl, the Wolves were consistently winning the Carl minutes, um, not just because he was being like a decoy or a good teammate, a good passer. He was kind of doing all everything. the cat stuff. Um, and, and obviously 10 of 11 from the field in the Pelicans game dropped that last play for him. He goes effectively goes left scores, kind of stops short, make sure like you could see him calculating. I think he talked about afterwards. Yeah. I'm not getting an offensive foul here. And he didn't. Um, I, I feel like all of us, you know, watching at home, we're like big credit to cat. So I think it only, it only makes sense that the locker room sort of, sort of jumped on that of like, yeah, man, cat's back. That, that was exactly it. And I think the sense, you know, just talking to some of the guys was like, when, when cat can play like that, it's, it's going to be really, really hard to beat this team. Yeah. Um, when, when he, when he is in control, when he is in control of his emotions, when he is in control on the floor, when he is in control of his drives, the key word there being in, in control, it, it's, it's such a different experience for this team. Like, like they, they won because of Carl on this road trip. Um, and we know that there are times where they win in spite of Carl um, and, and even had earlier in the season one in spite of him. Um, but I think the, whatever, whatever they were trying to tell him from the early in the season to now. And I think the big thing was trying to be in control, trying to be in control on your drives. Don't commit so many offensive fouls. We saw we saw how difficult that was for him early in the season, especially with the hook move. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Finch and the coaching staff was trying to tell him, "Listen, just just do the simple things. We don't need we don't need you to be all NBA all the time." I, I guess it was maybe yeah. kind of the message, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like if you are just good, like and you're solid and, and you're available, you sure. know. That alone can be can be enough for for the roster that's around you, and, and I think about it in the context of just Carl's even career here, where you know for most of his career here he's had to be the guy. If they were going to have a shot of winning every night, even in Ant's early years here, Carl had to be you know playing at an All NBA level every all the night. time. Yeah. But if he <laughs> but if he could just go consistently good, yeah. You know that that's what this team would need more than him, you know, reaching all NBA heights every night or sure. trying to reach all NBA heights every night. And the end result of that being maybe he's trying too hard, mm-hmm. maybe he's getting himself into trouble trying to be and do too much. Absolutely, I think that's I think that's great. It's like taking any volatility out, including mm-hmm. like upward volatility maybe in the name of stability if that if that Correct. makes sense right yes. like yes let's it, don't, as often don't as, try to make all the every play mm-hmm. don't try to make you know a, a, don't try to bully three people down on a drive because you're trying to mm-hmm. get to the to the basket and you commit an offensive foul as a result yeah like no if, if it's not there 
give it up. Give mm-hmm. it and nine assists goes to show you that he was giving it up. That's what I was gonna say yeah. is like he's in control uh of his emotions, mm-hmm. in control of his body, but also in control of his passes. Like yeah. and it was one of those like nine assist games, but it's mm-hmm. like I don't know, could have been like four or five more if some guys were like hitting shots too. It yeah. felt like that just just watching it and that like obviously we know Carl's passing like like sometimes because it's not Jokic level passing or something like that we don't give Carl credit for still being really really good as a passer for the center as a center or a big um and and because sometimes like the passes get out of control it's the the, too many of the overhead slings and all that sort of stuff but I mean yeah to to do what he did in that Pelicans game while only taking 11 shots and having that great of an impact to have what how many total points did he have again like 30 uh 29 I think 29 yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and then to contribute to probably another 20 points just on assists I mean mm-hmm. that is a rare weapon in the league that a player can touch on and directly impact 50 plus points in a game while really not being like that ball dominant you know yeah. like that I I just liked like the size of the role, like the size of Cat's role met the need, kind of for for the for the whole trip too. Because even even Phoenix, like they were not did not play well. That game Carl did, you know. Yeah. In in Golden State, uh, emotions were high, not for Carl. Like yeah, it's it's really. I mean, he really hit in all five of these games on this road trip and and that brings like a macro stability to to the group too right like what if you you go you win the seven game road trip but you don't get or you win the seven games in a row but then after that you don't get like a stable consistent and productive version of carl like what is this what does this team feel like right maybe you lose another one of those golden state games maybe you lose to the Suns by 35, you know, and, and it's just this team still clearly watching them. I don't want to say like immature, but they do have volatility to them. They can stall out offensively. They can let the defense go. Today's show is brought to you by the game time app and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets It was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the GameTime app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the GameTime app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're set, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code DANEMORE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DANEMORE, all one word, for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This time of year with the holidays right around the corner, it can be a lot. 
and it's natural to feel some anxiety or sadness about it. But adding therapy can be a bright spot amidst all the stress and change. It can be something to look forward to, something that helps you feel grounded. It can give you the tools to manage everything that is going on. Therapy can be helpful to learn coping skills and how to set boundaries, and it can help you empower you to be the best version of yourselves. Therapy is not just for those who have experienced major trauma. If starting therapy has been on your mind, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp was designed to be convenient. It's completely online, and it's suited to fit your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and BetterHelp will match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moore today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moore, all capitals, D-A-N-E-M-O-O-R-E, BetterHelp. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You need a stabilizing presence, I think, particularly given the fact that your best player is 22 years old. And for Cat to kind of, you know, Finch always talks about the bumpers. Like Cat kind of was the bumpers for for the whole road trip. So again, I mean, I don't I don't know what to say other than he was awesome yeah. and and in exactly sort of the ways they needed. If you can bottle that road trip and and apply it for the rest of the season, you would in a heartbeat. Um, he. I th- and I think it was notable that he navigated foul trouble uh, on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's a that's an issue for him as we as we know. And credit to him for not letting the officials take him out of the game, not letting his own frustration take him out of the game. Um, 
you know, Finch in the third quarter, I think Carl picked up number four pretty early. Um, I, I want to say maybe like a minute into the third quarter, he, Carl picks up foul number four. And Finch, Finch left him in, right? Finch left him in, and I, I didn't include this in my story. I didn't have room, but after the game, I, I was kind of talking to him about, about the foul issues, and he's like, at that moment, he was debating whether or not to pull Carl, and he said on the next offensive possession, Carl hit a three, and mm. he basically yep. said, "Screw it, I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna let him ride for for a little while longer here." And he, I think he got him out maybe after maybe three or four more minutes, but he did let Carl go. And yeah, it was he, that he, three while he had his foot on the line. Or yeah, yeah, or he had he had yeah, to jump but, or but something it, like that. Yeah, yeah, but it was and like he's like he's like I can't take him out. I just mm -hmm. can't. You know, he's playing too well, and and. I think that that speaks to Finch doesn't like to foul out his own guys. That's you know mm -hmm. the, the term he uses. Um, but with Carl, you always have to kind of monitor that a little differently. I feel like than other players, because we and Jaden's kind of the same way too. Where it's like you know that these guys don't always have the control to not pick up that other damaging foul. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, I I do think it was notable that Finch felt confident enough, whether it was because Carl was just playing so well, A, on the offensive end, or B, that he just, whether it was Carl's demeanor that night or, or the confidence he had or the confidence he had in the last couple games, Finch chose to not pull Carl and let him play that extra four-ish minutes or so, whatever it was. I forget when he came out. Mm -hmm. um, but significant because – you know, Carl's presence on the floor, as you said, was was so positive. So the more time they had on the floor with him, the better it was. And maybe they don't win the game without Carl being able to play that that little window of time mm -hmm. without picking up a fifth foul. Yeah, it was interesting, like, after the game. And, and I, I kind of agreed with this because it was both Cat and Ant. There was, you know, some people were like, okay, I know they both have foul trouble, but can you really afford to? It was kind of like late third, early fourth. Um if I'm remembering correctly, where both yeah. of those guys were in foul trouble and Finch rolled without them and the offense did stall out because it was losing both of its right, you know, its top two offensive pieces. But I know did note that note that in my notes as well, where it was like in the first half when Ant was in foul trouble, like had three fouls in the second quarter, he left him in for a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. After like Finch is doing that, and he's done it with McDaniel some too, where guys get to their foul trouble mark like four in the third or three in the second, whatever, two in the first and Finch leaves them in for a couple more minutes yeah. kind of maybe to not break up their rhythm or whatever it might be. So it, it, it wasn't like Finch was strictly, strictly abiding by foul trouble stuff right? Uh, to pull guys out. But then he kind of did in, in the second half. And he I did. Think, he did explain yeah. that after the game. Okay, perfect. Uh, I can tell jump me. in. So, so he was kind of looking at it as like, he's like, well, you know, they're, they had five at that point, right? Both of them at that. Yeah. That point, yeah. I think so. Time. so his, his thing was, well, he's, he's like, I know if we're going to, you know, we're going to take a hit offensively, but he's like, but I can come back with both of them at the start of the fourth quarter. Okay. And so that was kind of his thinking was like, okay, I'll pull them now, but then they're both coming back in to start the fourth, which, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't really like, I don't know. I, I Remind me in the rotations because are they both on the floor typically to start the fourth quarter of games or? Uh, well, typically no, right? Because, because yeah. Ant 
normally plays like the entirety of the of first the or the entirety of the third, right? right? So, so he's, he's normally out. out for right, but it had all gotten kind of mixed right. up because so, so that was that was in yeah. that was in Finch's head was they, like I'm going to come back with them both to start mm -hmm. the fourth and right. we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, and and it's yeah. It, it's like the classic situation where uh, like it worked, <laughs> so like right. they came back and they won. So, but but if it doesn't, you know, if they end up losing that game by one, you know, we do the kind of reactive thing. We're like, why didn't he have these guys in here at at that time? Like right, right, it's. You know, it's it's hard to do, and I think it's tricky for Finch to navigate, particularly with cat versus cat foul trouble versus ant foul trouble versus Jaden foul trouble are all kind of different things, right? Like yeah. ant isn't, you know, he's got up there, right? The Boston game too. He had a he was in foul trouble, but yeah. he's not like a night to night foul trouble risk. So he feels like someone you can kind of let go a little bit more. It feels like whereas because Jaden and Kat are pretty consistently in foul trouble. He seems to protect them uh, a little bit more. And that, that makes, you know, that makes sense to me overall. It's like, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe just foul less. <laughs> like, that, that's just, I, it, it's, it's just too much fouling yeah, from, yeah. from, from Jaden and, and from Kat. And then if Ant is going to also be there too, it just very much kind of, discombobulate well, it's just the rotations the, it's yeah. just the frustration of um you know the, the way that carl and Jaden each play and the and frustration can be a big part of each of their games mm -hmm. and and when he gets frustrated quote unquote and this is kind of relating to something he told me after the game related to his foul trouble when ant gets frustrated by foul trouble he checks out mentally sometimes and he admit and he admitted as much yeah, so it's, a, di it's a different quote. it's a different thing for him right like yeah yeah so so if i'm gonna let me pull up the quote from my story from today's paper here um <laughs> Just like he, he's like, ant, uh, <laughs> uh so yeah i said you know, i asked him about navigating the foul trouble uh and he's and he says quote it was hard. I don't even know how to deal with that, Edwards said. I'm, I'm happy for myself for coming out in the fourth and finding an impact in the game. I'm actually proud of myself because usually when I get in foul trouble, I check out of the game. <laughs> so very, very, very blunt, honest assessment from, from, from Ant uh, about foul trouble. And it was also ringing in my ears kind of what he said after the Boston game. Um, remember when he was talking about how, like, I was going to let the refs foul me out? Yeah. Well, the refs the refs fouled him out. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, like, "What the heck?" Yeah, right. Yeah. No, he was stunned. <laughs> they called. Yeah. They called that foul with ten seconds left. And uh, it was just like I don't remember yeah. who it was he was on, but it was kind of just like the Tatum play. Yeah. Right. It yeah, was on it was Ingram. Ingram. Yeah. And he's just like getting into the ball and trying to like turn him in the high quad there and. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the Tatum one could have gone the other way too. Tatum like it was gone the other way too, right? And was one with Tatum, he even like reached over his back and like yeah. got the jump ball. A little if you shove, yeah. He could have been called for a foul like mm -hmm. uh, on that play, um, but yeah, he seemed obviously he seemed incredulous when the whistle was blown on on Saturday. And right. but you know, but you know, I, I I kind of made this point too in my in my gamer. It was like Ant fouling out kind of clarified things for the last shot. You know, and because Carl was playing so well, it was like, okay, yeah, well, now there's no question. Carl's getting the ball. Like, if Ant was still in the game for that last shot, 
is this. Ant the one is Ant the one that's taking it? And does it end up the same way mm-hmm. on Saturday night? I don't know that it does. Yeah. So in some ways, maybe Ant fouling out with 10 seconds left for this particular game in this moment was a mm-hmm. was a blessing in disguise for, for this team. Yeah, that's what I put down just in my <laughs> notes. Like overall was like foul trouble for cat and ant created opportunities brothers not normally there and um and that was when i that's a good one to add on to it i didn't really think about it because Mm -hmm. cat was in foul trouble too but ant being in foul trouble fouling out created Mm -hmm. an opportunity that is not always consistently there for cat at at the end of games right that's kind of ants thing or maybe you know they they split it or something but outside of of cat i i thought i thought it was just interesting having your two highest usage players be in foul trouble at the end of a road trip. It was just this glaring situation that somebody had to step up and kind of take it upon themselves to do more because your top two dogs, you know, are, are down. And I saw Jaden sort of just intuitively kind of pick up a little bit more. He started running a couple like or maybe as Finch was calling it, like a couple more pick and rolls, like he was initiating the offense. I was like, okay, this is good. This is what this team needs to do is, you know, lean into Jaden McDaniels or Mike Conley when Cat and Ant off the floor. Mike was not having uh, a good game, so it was kind of Jaden. And then really the player who stepped up was Nikhil, who, yeah. who was aggressive. I mean, there's that sequence that was kind of inspired by defense, which was huge. Um, in the in the end of the third quarter that I think, you know, he gets a steal, goes out for a dunk or kind of like dunk he missed, but it still went in. Uh, right, and then yeah. the, the subsequent possession hit a three. Those were like big plays, but he was really more aggressive all night um, looking for his shot as a creator. I mean, by his standards, a very, a, a very aggressive game. So I just found that to be, you know, positive that there were players who, when your top dogs were down on the bench in foul trouble, that Jaden and Nikhil, to the degrees that they could, kind of at least recognize the moment, and and particularly Nikhil really stepped up in a in a productive way. What was the what was the word on Nikhil in the locker room afterwards? Yeah, I was I was just kind of just asking Finch about him, and it's just it's just kind of what we've come to know about you know Nikhil. Um, you know, so far this season, the the energy is always going to be there. It's he's simplified the game for himself on the offensive end of the floor. Finch always likes to say he knows who he is now, mm-hmm. uh, because when he worked with them in New Orleans, he was trying to maybe do and be too much. Um, and yeah, you you saw it on on Saturday. He he obviously didn't get off to a, a great start offensively, but you just kind of figured with his track record that that was going to come around eventually. Now his jumper's starting to fall a little bit, hitting threes at a higher clip. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been kind of interesting to see just kind of how this, the backup point guard, like who's actually playing point guard yeah. has worked. Cause I feel like it's been more Nikhil than it has been Shake Milton just watching oh, yeah. it. And it's, and it's, it's been interesting to see that like Nikhil is, and Kyle Anderson obviously plays a big role in this, but Nikhil's, Kind of the backup point guard, mm-hmm. um, you know, and yeah, I don't know that we necessarily had that really penciled in mm-hmm. uh, early in the season that he was going to be handling so many backup point guard minutes. Yeah, know, the, the first the first sub mm-hmm. of the the first quarter and the third mm-hmm. quarter is 
Nikhil and Nas for Rudy and Conley. Yeah. Like that's consistently uh, <laughs> been the pattern, which moves Nikhil into pseudo point guard duties with yep. Ant because Kyle yep. Anderson is not on the floor yet. Kyle then comes Correct. in a couple minutes later and there. So it becomes kind of like a, a, a group effort, uh, a group effort there. But yeah, Nikhil, because Shake is not producing and because maybe Shake isn't just even when he is going to produce, going to be that more pure point guard type of guy, it does fall on on Kyle and and Nikhil and there's Kyle can do it, but there's certain times where you know if you're facing a zone or if you're you know you would want Kyle to be more operating within the three point arc, you mm-hmm. kind of sacrifice something by having him be the point guard point guard, yeah. and they need somebody whether it's Ant or Nikhil to kind of be the get you up into your offense type of guy so you can best you in certain lineup combinations, right? So you can better use uh, uh, Kyle Anderson. So if Nikhil was like incapable of, of being a backup point guard, that would be a real problem for this team. I don't think it's his like best role. Teams try and pick him up full court, et cetera, et cetera. But um, he hasn't been, he has not been a problem in just the overall bench stuff there yeah. have become some some questions and shake and it feels like that group needs a little bit more offense but that's not really Nikhil's thing you know his his thing is like be the consistent good defender and then help the offense some situationally and I think I think he's doing that which is to say I don't think he is part of the more global bench issue does it feel like they're starting to recognize that they're a little short on firepower in in that second unit do you feel like you're getting that vibe like whether it be you know scoring punch when that ants yeah. on the floor or just a lack of three-point shooting like i think we're starting to feel that that second unit really is slowing down off well, I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with Nas's recent yes kind of downturn in production i mean when Nas was scoring the way he was at the early part of the season this wasn't a, this wasn't a problem so i think this is directly tied to how Nas has been playing um and it, it was an encouraging sign the other night he hit his first two threes and finch was even talking before the game about we need to get Nas going again um and i was like well here it is he hit his first two threes then i think he missed his next five shots or something like that and so so Nas just uh, the the rhythm's a little off, or, or I don't know. I'm not quite sure what it is. I haven't, well, I haven't, really, haven't different, really spoken to him about it, but uh, it's a different role yeah, because yeah. is playing better and more minutes mm-hmm. and and all that sort of stuff. Like it, there just isn't the extended runs for yeah. Nas that they were like seeking out earlier in the season because they needed that offensive punch. Like they've, you kind of convince yourself when Carl's playing well that you don't need Nas as right. much. Like, it's great that, that Carl's playing well, but I think what we're learning is they do need Nas, too. And Finch has talked about it, like, getting him back going even when Carl's going well. And I, I think that might be the answer for getting more juice out of the second yeah. unit is, is, one, playing Nas more, and, two, playing Nas. I wonder if in those really low on scoring lineups, maybe with no Ant and no Cat out there, whenever that happens mm-hmm. – Maybe run the offense through Nas, like yeah. more in the way that you do Cat, like at the top of the key. You, it's Nas like gets the ball a lot and like isolates some, but it's always as Finch would say, like in the flow. There's never really like a 
spread four flat. Nas is at the top. Let's try and take somebody off the dribble. A really yeah. conscientious. Yeah. And I wonder, given that there just isn't a lot of offensive fire punch, firepower coming off the bench, if that's maybe an answer to get more juice is not just to play Nas more, but to play through him, be more him the focus, or make him you know the what focus. I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. and maybe that maybe that would prove to be too much because you're, now you're asking Nas to kind of play like a star or like a really really good sixth man, and and like I I think we aspire to believe Nas can do that. I don't know if we know that, but given I think there's a way to replace some of Shake Milton's minutes and role by playing Nas more, like. You move Kyle down to the three a little bit more. Make sure as many of the power forward minutes as possible go to Nas. Yeah. Cat's at the five. Nas is at the four. four. Yeah. If Rudy's at the five, most of the time have Nas out there at the four. We've seen Nas work in, in both of those iterations. And then the like reaction to that, right, is Kyle slides down to almost all of his minutes at the three which starts cutting into shake. I, I think that's right. the move. If you're trying to start to not remove shake Milton from the rotation completely, but maybe if you don't feel like you want to roll with them for six minutes in the end of third quarter to early fourth quarter, maybe you don't have to, and maybe you just go back to Nas earlier and push and push Kyle down to the three. I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I think that's the best option right now for getting more out of the second unit is Nas. I'm 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 with you, and, and and I'm wondering too. Like, is a little bit about Nas and the struggles right now. Is a little bit maybe like the the shot mix that he's had this year because his three point shooting is up. I'm just looking up the numbers yeah, now. Sure, his three point shooting is up. Uh, he's taking one over one more three a game than he was a season ago, and he's taking one less two quote unquote mm-hmm. a game than he was a season ago. So. If he's mixing in more threes, yeah. does that tend to just make his production maybe a little more volatile? Yeah, well, that you makes any. That's and, the kind and, of nature of yeah. three-point shooting, right? Right, like, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I think you're onto something. And I think that's what I'm suggesting is yeah. can you get more Can you get him more right, going right, going to the basket? Because I, th- I think that's what's been missing a little bit from Nas's game recently. Yes. Um, is, is he's been – spotting up and shooting and he's not attacking as much. I mm-hmm. I love watching Nas attack the basket. It's it's yeah. it's it's fun. He's really good at it. Um and and you know they everybody on the team says he's the best at you know making teams pay for a mismatch. Mm-hmm. Um try to get more of that going. Uh, if you know if, if if I think I think that's what Finch maybe has in mind is trying to create these scenarios where Nas mm-hmm. has mismatches and can attack them because that's what he does so well. Zion obviously didn't play against the the Wolves mm-hmm. on Saturday, but I was watching some Pelicans games in the week leading up to that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I want to contextualize this, that I'm not saying that Nas is Zion <laughs> at all. <laughs> but like, do you know what I'm kind of talking that's about? Be, for, yeah. First of all, whoever clips yeah. your, your – like, yeah, clip you. that. Nas Reed is Zion uh, Williamson. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Cam, get on that. Um, <laughs> but like, there is a a – poor man Zion similarity to Nas is like get into the basket game. It's it's if somebody is smaller than him, he can like rise up and explode and finish with length, like at the rim. You know, we we've seen, again, we normally see Nas do that in the flow, but you see the difference is you see New Orleans just be like, all right, spread out Zion attack. 
you never see that with Nas really, you know, and I, I wonder, I just think there's some similarities there again, a bench bench version of that. But I, I think that could be a way to get a, like, have we ever seen Nas initiate a pick and roll, you know, like, mm-hmm. can you run a four or five pick and roll with Nas? You do that with cats. I'm just, I'm just saying like, yeah. can you throw in a little bit more of the cat stuff with Nas? And, and I think that gets his offense going more and honestly, it then would take away some of the responsibilities of the other offensive guys or ex- offensive expectation of the Shake Milton's, the Nikhil Alexander Walkers, some of these guys that have a more limited, I think, offensive bandwidth or just aren't like in Shake's case. I think I think Shake can do this stuff. I think he's just not in the rhythm there and comfortable yet. Um, so in the meantime, yeah. So I've been I've been saying it over and over again, but yeah. I, I think more Nas and getting more creative with the different ways. Uh, answers your two problems for you. Get get Nas back on track. Get more offense uh, out of out of your second unit. That that's that's what I'm thinking about. And you know, in in that way, if you're if you're able to do that, I'm just thinking about how you know that lineup would look. If it's like an all like let's let's say it's an all bench lineup plus Rudy at the five. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it allows you know Ant and Carl to play together more. If you're able to do that, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about how, yeah. you, how you would go through that in, in your mind. I mean, I know they like to play Conley and Rudy together as well as, as much mm-hmm. as possible because of that chemistry. But um, does, is that a have to, you know, yeah, like yeah, they, they, yeah. they're treating it like a half. Maybe it is. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. What about uh, Rudy at the five, Nas at the four, Kyle at the three, uh, Nikhil at the two, two and then maybe yeah. if it is to replace Shake, maybe that is the minutes that Conley's maybe. in there right. as well. You know, uh, right? I, that's I don't know. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's ways to get to it. You just need to start. They would need to really be intentional about target. Like it should have this feel that we start games, mm-hmm. we start games and halves with Rudy and Cat on the floor, and we mm-hmm. close games and halves with Rudy and Cat on the floor together. All the rest of the time, maybe it's Nas at the four as much as as much as you can. Like if we want to say Nas should be playing 24, 25 minutes a night, yeah. he kind of that's the only path really to it, unless you're gonna start playing him at small forward, which I'm not gonna say that's never gonna happen, but Finch scoffs at and uh-huh. and and laughs at often. Like we, you know, we even we even ask about it. I think it's like uh-huh. intention of Nas at the four uh all the time. All right, Chris, let me grab a Quick break right here. Just want to let people know again that uh, we are have two tickets to give away for the Sixers game on Wednesday. Those tickets are courtesy of the Genesis Company. Um, you just for those of you who are Patreon subscribers, you just let us know that you're available on Wednesday evening, the night before Thanksgiving. We don't want to give tickets to somebody who isn't able to use them. So you just send us a message um, at patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Dane Moore MBA. We're excited about this opportunity to just get more people uh, into the stands, the great tickets, lower level kind of center court there. So send us a message, patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA for Wolves Sixers on Wednesday. Chris, final thing um, is just talking about the fourth quarter execution. I, I think what, what I tweeted after the game was I had kind of gone the first eight, 10 games of the season thinking the biggest difference from this team this season to last season's team is the defense. And and I think actually the biggest difference 
is the fourth quarter execution. The the Wolves were a good defensive team last year. They're eighth in defensive rating. Now they're one. Like they've been they've been certainly better defensively. But I mean, there was a lot of games last season where it was the fourth quarter and things crumbled, the bottom fell out, whatever. And it has been so the opposite of that from the in in those situations that when they presented themselves, the Boston win, the second Golden State win after the ejections, and then that Pelicans game, like that was a grown up group that made good decisions in the fourth yeah. quarter. And honestly, they're doing a lot to dispel that question mark of this team of like, what is its maturity level and thus ability to execute in big spots? They've They've been showing it consistently, and I'll, I'll cop to it. That was a reason I had some skepticism, maybe scraped off two or three wins from their, their total because I thought they would maybe blow some of that given what they did a season ago. You wrote about it after the game. I mean, this is a thing, right? They, they've they've leveled right. up in terms of their fourth quarter IQ, smarts, execution, and all that, right? There's, there's a composure about them now and a, a level-headedness in these moments Sure. That was not present a season ago. Mm -hmm. And Ant pointed to Mike Conley um, as as the main reason for this. It's just it's it, it sounds so simple and easy, right? Like just get to your stuff. Like just <laughs> just yeah. get into something, run a play, run a set, and then get into it. Um, but they need they seem to have needed Mike to be the guy that just gets everybody organized. Mm -hmm. Um and it, it helps Ant in the sense that Ant's not always having to have the ball in his hands 24 seconds of the shot clock in these in these you know sure. in these kind of situations. Um, you know, I'm think I'm just flashing back in my head to some of those late game Pelicans possessions. Mike throws it to Carl at the top of the key defenses around Carl. He's I think he passes it off to the right wing to Ant, who has like a wide open three at yeah. that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was with maybe a minute left or so. Or big hit. Yep. Big, big three at that moment in the game. And then, you know, Carl off of a little action hits a three that puts them ahead or, or something. Mm -hmm. like, I, yeah. I can put them up two or something like that. I think so. Um, and it was just like simple little things, but they got a little action going. They got a little movement. They got a little, they got just, just movement, a little bit of movement. And it created open shots mm -hmm. um, instead of just ant dribbling out the shot clock and then taking a 20 foot mid range fadeaway jumper. Yeah. Um, which is what it was too many times last year. And listen, that hasn't completely gone away. Um, yeah. We still see those possessions. Well, and it won um, them a game too. Like yeah, sometimes, that, right? That it won them a game against games. Boston. Yeah, it yeah. did. It did. Um, but overall, they just seem more composed. They don't get rattled. Yeah, road environments. We've seen it now in Golden mm -hmm. State, in New Orleans, on the road. Um, big, big plus in the in the maturity column that this team has has answered something that seemed to have bothered them really each of the last two seasons. I, I want to give Rudy credit in that area. I think like Rudy is like his brain is very much clicking and working in that, you know, sub five minute clutch time, whatever, you know? Um, and it's like he's really thinking clutch time and making smart plays and this and that. I don't think he's been clutch because he's missed a lot of free throws, 
in, yeah. in those times than he did in that game. But he misses those two free throws with whatever, like 30 seconds left in the game. And and you're like, ooh, that might, that's probably going to cost the, the Wolves this this game here. Yeah. Um, but it was a situation where he got those two free throws because the two previous shots, he'd crashed the offensive glass mm-hmm. and they got called for fouling him while he was going for an yeah. offensive rebound. It's like the classic thing where you can like never really – get mad at somebody who grabs an offensive rebound and then misses the putback. You're like, right. well, they were going to get the ball anyways, you know, right, like, right. You, you did the work. Like, so yeah. I don't like, but I, I just, I, I wrote that down right away. I was like, man, Rudy, Rudy crashing the glass fouled, fouled in those two situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He didn't make the free throws, but I felt like that really disrupted the Pelicans like rhythm, like offensively the Pelicans couldn't really get anything going at the end of the game. I credit some of the, the defense there too. Just Rudy's been on a team like this before, and Mike's been on a team like this before. Utah, like this, this Wolves team, reminds me a lot of those Jazz teams, and and I think they are instilling that sort of professionalism in their approach in in the fourth quarter. Mike gets a ton of the credit, and the players players do too. I just mm-hmm. wonder if it's also one of those little like screen assisty type things of the you know the <laughs> well the, i mean well rudy to your story, point to right? your like, point, it, like, a, like those, rudy rudy yeah. does not the only thing that shows up in the box score is rudy's two missed free throws from that yeah. he hasn't he did not get credit for and he didn't get an offensive, offensive rebound, yeah, rebound that's even true. though even though he got them the ball back twice in that, uh-huh. in that scenario um but without him that possession doesn't elongate you know yeah, and then I New mean, Orleans yeah, is going you, the other you, way. You get, like, right, New Orleans yeah. is going the other way. Maybe in transition, maybe they're a little quicker. Who who knows, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it gave them, you know, the, the crowd got juiced up when he missed both free throws. So it's like, you know, the, the atmosphere kicked up mm-hmm. a notch. Um, yeah, but, to be clear, bad that he missed the free throws. Right, like those, right. those, those, those should have cost him the game and almost did. Mm-hmm. But. I, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm talking more like globally. I've seen enough of these. I mean, it's the, the block of, the showing on the Chris Paul thing and the blocking Sarge in the corner. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just super it's making locked those, in. Yeah. Those little, those little, not, not little plays, but yeah. like those smart, heady kind of basketball plays that, again, don't always show up in the box score, but have a, have a, a bigger effect at that moment in the game than it does, you know, say with six minutes left in the first quarter. Absolutely. Um, then it's the consistency with which he does those things. Um, and, and, and he's, you know, and he's one of the people that, you know, speaking back to, you know, Wednesday's uh, game in Phoenix, you know, I, like I said, there was a sense of, okay, this, this was kind of going to be that kind of game, but not to Rudy. Rudy's like, listen, if we're, if we're going to try to get to where we want to be this season, it's like, yeah. He was the one that was saying we got to come out and play on nights like this. Is it because in a playoff series you might be tired in Game Six mm-hmm. or Game Seven, and you got to push through it? Yeah. Um, he's like, and, and nights like this are, are a good test to try and push through it. Um, well, I, so. I think he understands. Like, okay, so like a schedule losses, right? Is mm-hmm. like if, if the average game is a 50-50 chance of winning it, it's like certain things are counteracting your 50% chance here. And that 50 becomes a 30 or a 25. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Rudy recognizes like, Hey, yeah, it's not 50, 50. Like we're at a disadvantage here, but we have a 25% chance of winning this game. Right. And, and if we do, if we win enough of these, 
if we win one or two of these over the course of the year, that could be the difference between the two seed and the five seed, you know? And yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's a Utah thing. Like, I think you kind of need to experience the benefits of that and how that props you up in the standings to, to really know. Carl and Ant are, I think, still learning that stuff. I think Carl's starting to really intuit it. Um, but it's really important, I think, for Rudy to – consistently bring that mindset. And I, it's something I don't think he did last year when, when he got a little frustrated. I, I think it's not just Mike as the old head in the room, yeah. the thinker it's I, I think, and I mean that in a positive way. I think, I think Rudy uh, belongs in that group too. Yeah. Anything I, I else think, you want to have? Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing I want, I want to note about the New Orleans game that I think is also different from a season ago is I think this team has a different internal confidence about itself than it did a season ago. And by that, I mean, you look at kind of the, the way that that game Saturday played out. It was like down double digits. They come back in the third quarter, took a very brief lead, right? New Orleans goes back up double digits again. Um, you know, and I think at the start of the fourth quarter, it was 10. 10. They I were down 10. 10. And then in the fourth quarter, they were up. New Orleans was up by as much as 14 again. But despite all these kind of multiple times falling down by 14, 15 points in this mm -hmm. game, the Wolves, I think, never doubted themselves. They never doubted that they would come back. Uh, or at least that they could. Push that they could, right. Yeah. They never they never really doubted themselves. And, and I, I think Rudy kind of said that after the game as well. Um, it's just they have a higher bar of expectation for themselves and a higher confidence that they can go out and in new Orleans on the road, come back and buckle down enough defensively when it really matters to get the stops they need to come back in a game like that. And to have the offensive firepower on the other end to, to execute when the game gets a little tighter. So I, I think it's just a different, a different mindset that this group has this year, because I, I feel like there've been a couple games this year where we've said, and even they, the players have admitted to themselves that they wouldn't have won that game last year. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. That they would have just called it a night after, you know, New Orleans makes it 15 again in the fourth quarter or whatever it is. Right. Like at that point, they probably pack up their tent and go home. Um, but not this year, this year they're, 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 sticking around the fight a little a little longer in these kind of games and it's it's been paying off for them it it doesn't guarantee that they will be the number one seed or two right. seed in the western conference but whoever the number one seed and the number two seed is in the western conference they will have that trait mm -hmm. and and that the wolves have that trait or are showing that they have it increases the thought in my mind that this can sustain right because that this is what great teams do or good teams do right yep. and and they have so many more of those high level team traits this season than they have had before i mean pretty pretty much every other year we've been covering this team it was they might have had talent supremely over the opponent um but but having confidence at times i think can even be more powerful than just having a, a a talent advantage in theory right yeah the the one seed has both right you have the talent advantage and you have the confidence advantage and i think that's why you know 12 games in the season the wolves are the number one seed 
in in the Western Conference, as Fitch has been saying over and over again, as we've been kind of lauding this team, he said, but it's about sustaining it. It's sustaining about sustaining it. it. And he said and, that the other night too. It's like mm-hmm. it's still it's early. Gonna be all year. It's gonna be it's all still year. early. Yep. Yep. It is still early. All right, Chris. Um, you have the night off, I think, mm-hmm. from from covering uh this this Wolves Knicks game. We'll uh it's it's a whole other war coming up here in the next few days <laughs> with uh I mean Mitchell yeah. Robinson and Hartenstein and Randall and the Knicks. It's gonna be physical, yeah. obviously, and bead and the a big strong Sixers squad on Wednesday. The Kings are another good team that presents a, a challenge in a whole different way. So um, it's it's one of these where you all we can do is take note of where they are at today. I feel confidently confident <laughs> that we accurately uh, assess where they are today, and then let's track it uh, over the yeah. course of this week. It can go up, it can go down. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a difficult it's a difficult homestand, you know. It's a it's, tough it's, one, man. It's a tough one. It, it is, but, this, um, but the schedule has not been easy for them to open the season, and they've responded. So, going to be another fun week. It will be. Um, Chris and I will be back uh, next next Monday again. Uh, Brit Pod on Tuesday, and then um, and then I'm taking a few days the rest of the week off. But Chris and I will do uh, the the following Monday after the Grizzlies game. So until then, he's Chris. Very happy birthday to you uh, again. Give him some love on Twitter at Christopher Hine. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Until Tuesday after the next game uh, with Brit. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.